Warning. This is not the anime film Blizzard the Bluebird. Rather, this is the review of the film Blizzard the Bluebird. Blizzard of Bluebird is available for purchase through Shad Factory and Eleven Arts, and is available for streaming via Amazon, YouTube, Pluto TV, Fudu, Google Play, and Apple TV. Please support the official release. Sincerely, the Dub Top Podcast. All right, students. Let's begin practice for next week's recital. Brass section, are you ready? Would you ladies please stop chewing gum? All right, percussions. <sighs> All right, turn off the K-pop. Woodwind. <sighs> no, Mad Haze is not an instrument. Strings. Oh, for Pete's sakes, would you two go back into the hallway and not my music hall? <sighs> All right, are you ready? Good. Good. <laughs> and a one, and a two, and a three. Attention band, everybody, raise up your instruments. Can we get a C note for everybody? Hold on a second. Everybody match that note? Me. Oh, you suck. Okay, this is why this is why we got bronze at competition, because every one of you guys can't be in pitch. Why was I saddled with this group? Ugh. That's right, happy face, happy face. You know why? Because it's all about the music. It's all about the happiness of the music itself. Oh, hi everyone. Oh, I didn't see you all there. Um, anyways, hi everyone. Welcome to Dub Talk, the premier anime podcast focusing on English dubs for anime old and new, good and bad, musical and non-musical, feature films and TV shows and everything in between. We are here today to celebrate well, it's the start of summer for us in the real world, but also because we have a very special Patreon request episode today. Yes, we are going to honor the request of one Julia W. Hi, Julia. Julia's been an amazing supporter of the podcast for a very long time, and she had a very special request for this episode. Can you guys take a guess as to what it could be? Hmm. Hmm. Musical, musical, musical. Um, is it time for that show by rock entire series retrospective that you've been building up to for the entirety of your dub talker? Andrew, you're making me sad because I would love to do that. And I'm, I'm sad that we're not doing that today, but that will come mm. one day eventually. Uh, it's, then I have no idea what we're covering today. Fair enough. No, we are, we are indeed covering a musical episode. In fact, we are covering uh, something that is equally cute as Show by Rock. We're actually going to the world of Kyoto Animation and in their foray of feature films. Uh, you may remember we covered A Silent Voice not too long ago, and we have covered some of their series before, but in this time, we are going to cover a rarity, the rare film that is attached to a TV series and only the movie got dubbed. Yeah, you probably guessed it by now. We're covering Liz and the Bluebird tonight. So yeah. So actually, should we should should we of the band introduce ourselves? Actually, that's the next thing we're gonna do here. So I would like to give a standing ovation to the uh, percussionist on the right. Please welcome Jet. Hey, 
And then I have my star tuba player over here, Andrew. I have a very good lung capacity, which is a fun way of saying I don't know when to shut the fuck up. And I am the boner expert. No, I mean trombone expert. No a clue. Uh, yeah, there's a, there, there could be some puns in here. But actually, I think we're going to keep this mostly clean tonight because this is a very pure, happy-go-lucky, and very sometimes sad because it's a melodrama kind of franchise. So in case you're not familiar with it, Liz and the Bluebird is uh, kind of a side episode of the series Sound Euphonium. So I gotta ask, Andrew, Jet, do you, have you guys seen Sound Euphonium before? Uh, it has yeah. been several years since I have watched Sound Euphonium, but I have seen both seasons one and two of Sound Euphonium. Same here. It has been many years, but I have seen the Sound Euphos. Excellent. And, and you guys were big fans of the English dub of that TV series, right? So about <sighs> that... So, one of one of the th reasons I'm glad we're doing this because this is this is not really a summer at the movies episode, even though that's fast approaching. Consider this like summer at the movies pregame edition. Indeed. But one of the reasons I think I was particularly excited to do this episode is the saga of sound euphonium licensing is fascinating. And frustrating, but also very fascinating. Because, so, there is a Japanese production company named Pony Canyon. They are a big production company, music licensor in Japan. They've been around for a number of years. Long time, long time. Mm -hmm. um, so... Are you, if you're familiar with something like Anaplex USA, Anaplex USA is basically the U.S. branch for Anaplex, a major company very much as grand in scope and anime licensing and production as Pony Canyon. They made a big U.S. branch, and they started up, kind of started up the ground running with, like, titles like Madoka Magica and Fate Zero and... The, the thing to at least note with Anaplex of America is they picked up big titles that were high in demand, like... They were heavily anticipated for an American... Like, when, when, they, when they came out, like, when they started up a Anaplex, they basically got hot titles that people really wanted and, like, really wanted to watch them. And, and keep in mind that also, uh, in a time period where uh, streaming wasn't exactly as reliable as it is today. Like right now, every release can reliably be streamed. Back in the day, uh, releases for it were a little more spotty than they are now. But yeah, like An Anaplex of America, love them or hate them, were a success. And they were a big part of like making their own U.S. branch, getting their titles, and had big established titles... Did a decent job of marketing them, streaming them, dubbing them, releasing them, even if expensively, but at least putting them out and releasing them. So, I mean, honestly, if you, you go up against Madoka Magica, anyone goes up against Madoka Magica, you're going to so, lose. So, Pony Canyon decided to try doing what Anaplex did 
around the time frame of... God, what... Uh, I think one of the first... The two first shows that they put out were, uh, Yuki Yuna is a Hero, and... I do not remember what the other one was called. Denki Guy, Denki Guy. Uh, the reason I want to mention this time frame is specifically I want to get... Okay, it was like late 2014, early 2015 was when Pony Canyon USA started out. Uh, right. And uh, noticeably around the, the same time, uh, the first season of Sound Euphonium, uh, that came out in spring of 2015. Yes, so it was around the time where they were really kind of starting to get the ball running and try out this whole licensing titles thing, releasing them, and... Jet, would you like to... So, how well did that work out for them? Like, I mean, uh... <laughs> they are... I mean, well, they aren't around anymore, so that's fairly self-explanatory, but, like... Man, I remember when they had panels, and, like... No one was listening in on them. So... Oh. So, they, when they started out, they basically put out two shows. One of them they commissioned a dub for, Yuki Yuna is Hero, and they released Denki Guy sub only. They grabbed a bunch of other titles too, but like, probably the biggest license they acquired when they were still actively licensing titles was indeed Sound Euphodium Season 1 and Season 2. Exactly. And the, re the reason we bring this up is because, um, to this day, there has not been a dub for Seasons 1 or 2 of Sound Euphonium. And we'll get to what the show actually is, just in case there's three people out there who have no idea what the show is. Yeah, when they, when they had the option but... to dub it and put it out on an $80 Blu-ray with four fucking episodes, because that was their release strategy. Like, $70, $80 Blu-rays with four episodes per volume. Yeah, see, yeah. I was trying to recall, like, wait, was, like, you could get the only thing they ever done. They're like, oh, no, they did. They did also drop uh, Broken to Six Breeze. Okay, no, 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 no. Technically, they never dubbed that, actually. That was Crunchyroll and Anime Limited who dubbed that for the UK release. Because their English release was sub-only. I mentioned Roka because Roka was kind of their other big title. And fun fun fact about Roka. They had a limited edition, which was those $80 separate parts, and a standard edition. That was several that was at least 20 or so bucks, 20 to 30 bucks cheaper. They canceled the standard edition Blu-rays because nobody was pre-ordering the limited edition one. Oh man, I almost forgot about that. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah! I remember it because literally where the fuck else am I going to talk and bitch about Pony Canyon? Like talking about how frustrating it was that Euphonium was the big title that they could have actively commissioned a dub for. And they never did. Wh which... Yeah, so this is a roundabout way of saying that th this episode here, despite the fact that it's not really going to cover a dub for the TV show, because one doesn't exist... We are definitely going to group in all of our thoughts and reactions to the entire franchise, the licensing debacle, and this movie in particular, into this one dub. Yeah, because by the time Liz and the Bluebird and I think the sequel 
film Oath's Finale were being put out, uh, Pony Canyon USA was not actively putting out licenses for themselves. They kind of just became like a sub-licensing marketing company again, where other people would pick up titles they were involved in, and they didn't put them out to themselves. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, I mean, hey, on the bright side, uh, we might get a TV series of eventually. I mean, we're getting a third season, so we're gonna, so someone's yes. gonna pick that up. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because yes, uh, not next year, and not it's gonna be uh, scheduled for 2024 is when a season three of Sound Euphonium is scheduled to come out. And you're right, every other. Kyo Annie production ever has been picked up and dubbed in the West, so you would hope that someone would pick this up because Pony Canyon is probably not going to do it themselves, and we will finally get a completion to this one franchise. It's so weird that we live in a time frame where Hyoka and Nichi Joe have English dubs, but this one sweet high school band show does yeah, not. Yeah, and I, I, I think weird. the more wild thing is where is we live in a time where it'd be like what we like. Where you would think, wow, the idea of a company just like picking up a show in its third season and only dubbing that third season would be absurd, but it's like, no, by today's standards, that actually checks out. That, that's <laughs> a lot does. more reasonable than you'd think. It's, it's still insane, but it is reasonable. There have been shows that have started their dubs with season two as recently as like a year ago. So, I don't know if I... I mean, I, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've ever heard of an instance where a, a two seasons already come out unlicensed or undubbed rather, and only by the third season did it begin to be, you know, localized. Um, and, and we can, I don't, again, I don't know if there's an example of that, but this show, uh, Kaguya-sama kind of season two, a season two, sure, but I mean a third season. All right, that's another uh, debate. I mean, also, I, I I'm could, just going to mention... I, mean, I, could probably, I could probably think of something, but you'd have to give me a minute. It would have to take a minute. I'm probably, just going to mention yeah. one more thought yeah. experiment, and then we should actually talk about this. I, I'm sorry I'm going off about this. It's just, when else am I going to talk about this? So, the, the reason that kind of made Anaplex of America stand out and succeed is that they kind of got in at a time where they were picking up really hot titles that were in demand and people wanted. So, you want to know something kind of fucking freaky? If Pony Canyon USA got in the game, like, maybe a year earlier, they could have wound up with Attack on Titan. Yep. You're kidding. Yeah, Pony Canyon are the producers, like, the music producers of the Attack on Titan series. That's a... I'm sorry, that's a terrifying concept. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure they did... Uh... I'm pretty sure they did Home Video Japan too, so like, yeah, they, they could have had it. They could have. Oh, what could have been? But yeah, it's like, if they had literally got in when, like, something as hot as that was in, they could have been a tour de force. But mm -hmm. they kind of came out of the gate and sort of fumbled the ball until they're no longer really a concern. You could say that they didn't get the gold in this competition. No, they did not. They barely even got a bronze medal. Luckily, who did get the gold uh, is the studio, is the licensor who did put out this movie. Listen, the Bluebird uh, was picked up by Eleven Arts, and they gave it a dub, and we're going to talk about that here. Uh, it's out on home video. You can get it in Walgreens if you're really looking. 
And yeah, it's uh, it's nice that we do have a representation of this show somewhere on the home video and the dubbed market. And speaking yeah, of this yeah. this is a very it you can find this probably pretty cheap. Like it's like maybe like fifteen twenty bucks if you go to a store or you get it for a sale online. This could be a nice uh, cart topper to your right stuff order. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, uh, before we move on, I do just want to say like I did suddenly I did suddenly recall a show that got dubbed in its third season. Oh, yeah. that rather legendarily got dubbed in its third season. Gintama. Fuck! Okay. You're <laughs> right! That's a, and that's another show where, like, it already had a big fan base, so it kind of warranted going back and relighting. Uh, okay, 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 but we're talking about, like, 200 episodes in they dubbed that show. Yeah, that's even more crazy than this, because Sound Euphonium, uh, both first and second season were only, like, 13 episodes a piece. That's not nearly as crazy as Gintama. No, yeah, the Gintama saga is insane because there's at least four separate dubs of that. This one four? only has two. Yeah, yeah. We're, we'll, and uh, we're not even talking about the other one. So, yeah, we'll, we'll hold off on uh, Gintama for another time. But for those who have been sitting in the rafters wondering, what is Sound Euphonium even about? So the, the basic premise of Sound Euphonium is that it follows a group of first-year high school students at um, Kitauji High School um, who have varying degrees of experience with concert bands. Uh, we're not talking about rock bands, we're not talking about jazz bands, we're not talking about synth bands. No, we're talking about traditional stage concert bands, brass, woodwinds, percussion section, and even a contrabass thrown in there. Specifically following, uh, in that show, in the main show, is following the euphonium player Kumiko Omai, who is the one who we follow along with her friends throughout the majority of the franchise. However, Liz and the Blueboard um, is, if you want to think of it in terms of anime releases, Liz and the Bluebird is kind of like an OVA, a feature-length OVA, because it focuses on two of the side characters from the main show. Liz and the Bluebird focuses on the lead oboe player, Mizore Yoriyazuka, and the lead clarinet player, Nozomi Kasaki. The reason it focuses on these two is because they have a bit of a good friendship relationship with each other, um, and they're in their third year during the movie, so their emotions are a little high right now because they've been through the band uh, program and they've performed with their classmates for a couple of years. They're wondering what they want to do when they graduate from college, but the main premise is that the oboe player, Mizore, is conflicted in her emotions about Nozomi, about how she wants to... Does she want to progress? Does she want to hold herself back so that she doesn't blow past Nozomi? And she ties all of this into a storybook called Liz and the Bluebird, hence the title, which is predominantly about a girl named Liz who befriends a girl who is actually the human incarnation of a bluebird. It's a, it's a fairy book story, so you, you take some of that into account. Um, and predominantly is about learning to let someone go so that they can be free and be their own individual person, even if it's going to hurt you in the process. Coincidentally enough, it is also a composed piece of music based off of the book in question that they are practicing and performing in the band. That is also <laughs> true. Which is and... fitting for the TV show because the title Sound Euphonium is also a piece of composed music in the universe of the show. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. 
Yeah. That is the premise, and it is... So, so before we even get into the dub, fuck, this movie looks unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I gotta be real, like... I, I gotta be real, like, this, like, the dub, like, as we'll get into later, like, the dub for this was pretty adorable, but, like, this is not a movie you watch for the voice acting. Is that, like, the kind of acting you're here for is, like, character animation. You I are, yeah. I want to be mad at you for saying that, Jet, but I can't because you're right. Like, I I feel like it kind of, I feel like people like to talk about, like, oh, yeah, cool, kill Annie, cute girls, whatever. It's like, no. Nothing looks quite like this, and in a sort of sober way, in some regards, maybe nothing ever will look like this again. Are you talking, are you talking about the, the real-world high school scenes or the storybook portion of it in terms of it looks like nothing else? I am literally talking about the production of the team that worked on this. Specifically in the fact that, like, I don't know who the character designer of the anime series was, but the designs of this movie are unmistakable to me. This is the late, great, please rest in peace to you, sir, Futoshi Nishia, where these characters look striking and distinct. Like, this feels like... How do I describe this? On a visual level, this is, this is quite literally, like a sequel to a silent voice in that regards of like pure visual spectacle and just every frame of painting is gorgeous in this film it really is and i think the a way to differentiate it from other beautiful looking anime films because a lot of anime films look beautiful but the way that this one stands out is that it's uh an adoration of everyday beauty you can make uh, well-immaculated fight scenes or uh, scenic settings of far-off fantasy places look amazing. This movie's really uh, crowning visual spectacle is that just the basic everyday movements of characters, the movements of clothing, the walk to school, the movement of the instruments, everything like that is rendered in a way that really makes you feel what the characters feel, which is how much they love being part of this band. They love the music, and they love the people that they get to perform with. And so we could just stop right here and say, okay, so that's the discussion for the movie, but no, th there is a lot to talk about with the dub itself, so you guys okay to actually jump into talking about the dub for uh, now? Yes, I feel like we probably should have done this five minutes ago, but we got a little carried away. No, let's uh, preface this because, yes, everyone who's listening, we're not going to bash the animation, Let's try to focus in on the voice acting, because like we said, we may not get a chance to talk about this franchise in voice acting for quite a bit. So, talking about uh, Liz and the Bluebird, uh, let's, uh, how we're going to do this is, because there's a bit of a smaller cast here, despite the TV show having a large cast, and this movie has a smaller main cast, and even less lines. Uh, like Jet and Andrew were saying, you watch this movie more for the character animation than the voice acting, so there's not going to be as many lines per character to talk about. So we're going to introduce all of the characters in this one section here, and from there, we will just cut loose on discussions for everything. Starting out with the ADR director. So this is an, this is an 11 Arts 
uh, a directed uh, feature film. No, no, film. no. No, no, no. That's not direct. Released by Eleven Arts, but I'm sorry. That That is more correct, yes. So who could we possibly get to be the ADR director for this? And I, I only ask that because um, the person we're going to talk about is a bit of a legend when it comes to directing recent anime feature films, especially ones that get a lot of attention. And that is Stephanie Shea, who, if, if you've seen any movies that she's been the ADR director for, you may have seen A Silent Voice. It's another Kyoani produced one. You may have seen Promare. And, or you may have even seen, outside of the world of Japanese animation, you may have seen Motherfuckers, or uh, the, the French movie that we covered on a previous episode of this podcast. Ah, I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, okay, yeah. yeah but yeah, this... Like, yeah. Oh yeah, very much this is Stephanie and NYAV post at the helm of this. Yeah, there you... Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't good. I, I don't think anyone who's in the dub uh, circle... Or um, as uh, the cartoon cipher called it, Dub Tube, is going to think of uh, Stephanie as uncoupled from the NYAV scene because that is very much where. Uh, the Yo, are we in that tube? We better be. <laughs> Yo. Yo, you cipher dudes. Yo, it's just the two of it's just the two of our squads <laughs> in the pool, basically. What up? <laughs> well, we gotta expand uh... it then. We need to start recruiting. This is true, because when there's so few people in the pool, when you fart in it, you, you're going to be able to narrow it down a lot easier. Moving on. So, uh, so yeah, Stephanie's in the directing for this. Um, so, I'm also just going to introduce all of the characters here. We will have words to say about all of these uh, performers here, many of whom you've probably heard before. I'm going to start out with the instructors. Um, since this is a high school concert band, there are... There's one main conductor, and he has two um, assistant adult instructors who help out different parts of the bands. And all three of these characters were in the TV show. This is the first time we're getting to hear them in English. Uh, the main instructor is uh, Noboru Taki. Uh, he is the one right in front holding the baton. And he is assisted by uh, percussion teacher Masahira Hasashimoto. Uh, he's the more grizzled, uh, unshaven, bit larger guy who's a little more laid back. And then there's also Satomi Niyama, who is the woodwind teacher who helps out a lot. Uh, Noboru is voiced by Wayne Grayson. Masahira is voiced by Mike Pollock. And Satomi is voiced by Ryan Bartley. Um, now... Andrew, Jet, when I when I mention the name Wayne Grayson, is there one particular role that comes to mind for you? Hey, you! And here I was gonna be like, and here I was gonna be called and say like, oh, oh, so how about Fribizo from Slayers? See, that's the one I thought of first, but apparently he's got like one more famous role. Hey, you! What you doing there, pal? There you go. No matter what happens, you I want you to remember, I'll always remember the most important thing. And that's the that's Mets, the Mets, baby! Come on, baby, let's go, Mets! Oh, <laughs> yeah, Mets! Yeah, yo, yo, we got such a good season! Uh, Sensei, um, which, uh, which movement are we gonna be starting with? <clears throat> <laughs> well, luckily he does not slip into his Joey Wheeler voice, but yes, Wayne, on top of also being... For Brizzo, uh, aka the best villain from the Slayers franchise, he's also Joey Wheeler in Yu-Gi-Oh. 
Um, so yeah, he's been around for a while. Um, who's also been around for a while is uh, Mike Pollock. Um, he's uh, like as far back as like the oldest thing I could find that I knew of. He sang the theme song to Ultimate Muscle. Remember when that show aired on Fox? I'm less surprised by that than I should be. As I, I was like, oh yeah, the other best for kids dub, that's the Shaman King. <laughs> Does anyone remember the Shaman Kings? I, I mean, it's not like there's a recent show or anything about it on uh, airing right now, so I don't think anyone here remembers that show. Mm. Man, uh, that, was, that, could, that uh, was a very interesting call... show. I wonder I wonder if there was a review on it on A&N somewhere. <laughs> hmm. But, I mean, if it was, it was probably hmm. handled by, you know, nobody that we actually know. Um, yeah. So certainly no one who we have high respect for. Yeah. Probably a scrub. <coughs> hey, Jet, how you doing, yeah. buddy? <laughs> Check out that stuff. Okay. <coughs> Sorry, I got stuff stuck in my throat there. Um, actually, what you may know Mike Pollock for more than anything else is uh, he, he's probably best known as playing Dr. Eggman in a lot of the Sonic franchise. He he is so like iconic as Eggman that when they did the third like the basically a poach starting fresh of the Sonic cast and started with like the LA cast they kept Mike on as Eggman from the four kids cast and he's still Eggman to this day that he is mm. would you say he's better than Jim Carrey Uh, I mean, he, I mean, Jim Carrey's Eggman is fun, but, like, when I think of Eggman, I think of Mike Pollock. I think both people do as well. I I would at least assume one takes their vaccines. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also kind of the same deal with, like, Shadow. When I think of Shadow, I think of Jason Griffith, which is why I'm going to be annoyed when they, like, cast, like, Keanu Reeves or something in (laughs) Shadow and Sonic 3. Ow! Yeah, that's like the best monkey's <laughs> paw curl right there. It's it's firm, but it's fair. Anyways. Anyways. So, um, we also have, uh, like I said, uh, we also have Ryan Bartley. Uh, she is uh, probably best known as... Um, actually, she's been quite a few things. Um, most of them in more recent shows. Like, uh, she was Megumi in the second season of March Kim's in Like a Lion. Uh, if you've been watching Mob Psycho 100, you know her as Subomi uh, Takane. Um, or if you've been following the debacle with the Neon Genesis Evangelion re 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 redub, uh, you would have heard her as Rei Ayanami in the Netflix redub of the TV show. Netflix, not Amazon Prime, not Funimation, not ADV, not. not t- yeah, uh, I mean, for, I mean, for what it's worth, she was a very good Ayanami. I'll take your word for I it. I never tonight. got around to. I never got around to watching the Netflix redub of it. As I, as I, as I, uh, I have problems with the script, but, vo- but like, voice acting wise, I think it is probably, like, the best of the existing dubs. Fair enough. We'll, we'll hold that for another episode. That's going to be a day-long recording episode, guarantee you that. <laughs> so, on top of the teachers, we also have, um, some, we have multiple students. Uh, I'm going to start out with, uh, four of them who have very few lines and aren't really prominent in this movie, but we have to talk about them because they are the main four of the main TV show. They're the squad. Rattle. Yeah, I'm going to rattle them off here really quickly. Uh, the first one is the euphonium player and the one with the chocolate ice cream hair, Kumiko Uamai. Uh, we have uh, her friend, uh, the tuba player, uh, Hazuki Kato. 
we have the best character, Sapphire Midori Kawashima, who plays the contrabass and it constantly has bandages on her fingers. And then we have the best trumpet player in the whole group, Reina Kosaka. Uh, I'm going to hold off a little bit on talking about Kumiko's voice actress a little bit because she also plays other characters in this movie as well. But for the reference, it is Courtney Shaw. But I will talk a little bit more about what she's done in a minute. Mm, okay. Kazuki, the tuba player, is voiced by Allison Leigh Rosenfeld. Sapphire Midori is voiced by Cassandra Morris. And Reina is voiced by Christina Valenzuela. Um, let's see, where have I heard Allison before? Well, if you've been following the Pokemon franchise more recently, you may have heard Allison as Bonnie in uh, Pokemon XY, XYZ, and the films that were attached to that particular season. If you saw Promare, you heard Allison as Ina. Or if you saw another film that we covered for this podcast and was also uh, directed by... It was an NYAV film. Oko's Inn, Allison played the character of uh, Sakiko Seki. A lot of S's in that word. Now, Cassandra Morris, who plays Midori... Um, let's see. Well, I suppose I should probably throw the, the Love Live fans a bone here and say, yes, Cassandra is in the Love Live franchise as Tsubasa Kira. She's also Saki in Durarara. But I'm going to assume that Andrew and Jet, you, you know your video games. What is Cassandra Morris known the most for in the nerd sphere? Looking cool, Joker! Uh, <laughs> I was going to say you're all scrubs. You should know. I should know her most iconic role. The best girl, Tenko from Osamazu. Well, and I'm not just like I'm not just saying that because Tenko is sitting behind me with a chainsaw right now. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but yes, no. The I'd say as far as like the video game roles, like one of her most iconic ones is definitely um, uh, Morgana from Persona Five. Persona, everything that I could find. So yeah, that's where Cassandra's in here, and I'm glad we get to hear a little bit uh, in this movie. I'm also really glad we get to hear Christina, um, who plays the, uh, in the, not the original dub, but the Viz redub of Sailor Moon. Christina plays Sailor Mars. Um, she's also Hawk in the Seven Deadly Sins franchise, and she plays uh, Homura in Madoka Magica. It's another show that we just brought up a little bit a while ago. Um... So yeah, that's the those four characters. We've also got a couple of other students. Um, now again, this is a wide band cast, but we're gonna focus on three other students in particular here. We're gonna focus on the president, the vice president, and one other oboe player. So we have Yuko Yoshikawa. Uh, you see her character design, you recognize her because she's the only character who has a ribbon in her hair. She has like this yellow ribbon that makes her like 10 feet taller and she was voted as the new president because this is her final year in the band i remember her being kind of i remember her very much being kind of a brat in the in the original show but it's a good thing that she has um her uh teasing gay significant other to keep her in line who we're also going to talk about yeah speaking of that that teasing gay significant other uh, we're going to talk about Natsuki Nakakawa, who is, uh, is also a euphonium player. And despite the fact that she didn't even make the competition group through the auditions in the main TV show, she got voted to be vice president. 
uh, when all the seniors graduated. I'm assuming only so that the original vice president, having to refill the role, wanted to continue to bug Yuko for another whole year. That's the only reason she voted for Natsuki. I, I'm genuine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly it. It's just like somebody's got to keep that. Somebody's got to keep that chicken in, uh, in her place. <laughs> that she did. So yeah, their, their dynamic is interesting, and we'll talk about them in a bit. We're also going to talk about uh, a new character who's not in the main TV show, Ryurika Kenzaki. She is a first year. She's also an oboe player. And considering the fact that we mentioned that the main character of this movie is also an oboe player, they have some main interactions, which help develop out the main characters. So of those three, uh, let's see, Yuko is voiced by Megan Harvey. Natsuki is voiced by Sarah Ann Williams. And Virika is voiced by Xanthi Wynn. So, Megan Harvey is, uh, is also one who's been around for uh, quite a while. Um, it's interesting to note in looking through her filmography that the thing you may have seen her in, because this got a television broadcast, was she was Kana in Fully Cooly Alternative. But she's uh, been around for quite a while as well. Uh, she was Hisami in Read or Die, the TV show. Not the OVA, but the TV series. And she... Uh, <laughs> Attached to this franchise, I feel like I shouldn't judge it, though, because I haven't seen it, but it's got a reputation. Andrew Jett, have you heard of Icky Tosin before? I uh, have? Okay. Yes, I am aware of the Icky Tosins. I have not watched it. Okay, good, good. You're in my same camp, too, and that Icky Tosin is a, is a girls fighting each other and their clothes strip off in the process show, and it got multiple seasons, Multiple OVAs, still going strong over there. It's really baffling to me. Also, apparently bad. multiple dubs, which that's a whole other dub talk lecture for another day. Yeah, not, not multiple dubs for the same series, but it, it because it's been around a long time, it's been passed around between different studios. Um, a, a couple of uh, anime have had that legacy as well, where you know different studios have picked it up to dub it. But uh, for seasons three and four... Um, Megan played the character of Koime, um, I think it's seasons three and four, so... I'm yeah, just so, gonna so nod, movie. I'm just gonna nod and wave like I know exactly what seasons those are and what that character does. Excellent. Well, that's, that's most academics, you know, just nodding and smiling and pretending you know what you're talking about. Can confirm. Uh, someone who, uh, has also been around for quite a while is Sarah Ann Williams, uh, Bring it back to uh, Madoka Magica. Uh, she played uh, Sayaka Miki in that show. Uh, as Megan liked to refer to it, uh, she carried that dub on her back. Uh, she's also in... Um, she's Lizbeth in the Sword Art Online franchise. And on the flip side of things, when it comes to virtual reality shows, she was also Unico in Excel World. So, hey. let's see. Uh, oh, then we got Xanthi Wynn we get to talk about. Yay! Um, I know Xanthi Wynn as playing Menma in Anohana. You may know her as the Platelets in Cells at Work. Andrew, Jet, do you know Xanthi Wynn from anything else around the, you know, the worldwide internets? The, the worldwide internets? I'm trying to be very old here. Oh, come on, you're not that old. Uh, if we're, if we're going back to Persona, uh, she is Haru Okumura in Persona 5. Yeah, that would be the big one. And yeah, if you want to bring this back to movies, I would say that she is 
the wonderful Machia in Machia, the flower we saw that day. No, no, no. When the promised flower blooms. I, I misconstrued the other flower-based uh, Mario Kata thing with the other Mario Kata thing. Which she was the lead in both! Yes, she was. Uh, she's also, you know, extremely good girl, Alika from Hunter x Hunter. Ah, yes, Alika is great. That's what's great is that I, I knew if I asked you guys, you would give me two separate answers because she's, you know, she's got performances in different franchises for different uh, subcultures. So that's why I'm so glad we get to talk about her in this movie. Mm -hmm. Now to wrap this up for um, who's in this movie here, we got we got to talk about the main high school students and we got to talk about the titular Liz and the Bluebird themselves. So uh, playing our main two high school girls. Uh, Mizori Yorizuka is voiced by Lori Hims. And again, she's the lead oboe player. Uh, she was actually the only oboe player in the main TV series. Um, and she's actually very good at it. Um, she's not just the lead due to there not being anybody else. She's actually very good at it. And she was only brought into the band, like she wasn't even interested in playing an instrument, until she was recommended by Nozomi Kasaki, who is voiced by Stephanie Shea. So, uh, so their two relationships is really dependent on one supporting the other, but maybe they're both supporting each other. We'll talk about that in a bit. But like we were saying, their story in this movie is kind of paralleled by this uh, children's book called Liz and the Bluebird. And Liz, in because they animate the storybook segments, they, they take the story of Liz and the Bluebird and they animate it in tandem with the main story going on. Liz is, well, actually both Liz and the Bluebird um, are voiced by Courtney Shaw. I mentioned her a little while ago uh, as voicing also Kumiko for one line, but she really gets to shine uh, in this titular role here. So what has Courtney Shaw been in before? Well, uh, she hasn't, she doesn't have as long of a cast uh, credits list as some of the other actors we talked about. Um, bringing it back to Show by Rock though, since you brought that up, Andrew. Uh, Courtney played Vault in uh, Show by Rock Stars. Uh, she's also Manatsu in Maisetru, uh, Maisetsu Opening Act. And she's uh, Lisa in the Mazinger Z Infinity movie. Cool. Now, also playing the two main characters, like we were saying, uh, Lori Hems, who plays Mizori, um, she plays... Lily in the Pokemon 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 Sun and Moon franchise. So oh, cool! Pokemon connection there. Uh, she also played Lightitia in Lupin the Third, the First, which I still need to see because I've heard it's really good, and I'm still working my way through all the Lupin the Third stuff this year. Um, or uh, maybe if you saw the movie Fireworks, uh, you may have heard her as Mira Sensei. But then we, we gotta wrap this all up with uh, the cast list for Stephanie Shea, who voices the clarinet player Nozomi Kasaki. Stephanie Shea has been in everything. She is been around for a long time. She is Hinata in Naruto. She is Mitsu, Mitsuha in the Your Name movie. She's Yui in the, another K-On! series, K-On! She's... In basically everything there. I'm only saying this with such exasperation because I feel like mentioning the cast list for Stephanie Shea and what she's done before is redundant. Because if you know your dubbed actors, you know Stephanie Shea, and I don't need to tell you that she's been in a lot of stuff. 
Would you like to take a breath there? Because you have indeed been soloing for quite a while there. You might need to take a, a breather, take a drink, clean out oh. your spit tank. No, that's the good thing about being a, a seasoned uh, member of a concert band is you have quite a lung capacity. Well played, sir. Well played. I could, I could spend this talking about my own connection to the show and uh, the parallels of my own life, but that's not important right now. I want to talk about this cast list here, so sh shall we take it away, boys? It feels ironic to say that, like, the characters I have the least to say anything about are the main squad from Sound Euphonium. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have less to say about the performances and more to say about, like, the fact that uh, these were probably, like, these specific characters who got replaced in, like, the VSI dub for the other movie. Yeah. Which is a bummer, because some that, of them are solid choices. Like, Christina yeah, that, yeah. V and Cassandra Morris are bang-up choices for both Reyna and Sapphire. Is it? Yeah, 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 those two choices make... Yeah, those two choices make sense. I would definitely want to... I would definitely be... I would definitely have been cool with those two playing those characters in, like, the TV series. Mm -hmm. uh, the one cast of choice that was a little uh, odd was, ironically, probably Courtney Shaw is, like, Jimmy Kale. Which, that's not as much because... her fault in that there is no time to spend with it. No. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, like, it's, there's no time to spend with it, and, like, if I'm being honest, this is, like... This is not a criticism about the dub by any means. It's just kind of like the reality of things. Yeah. It feels like she was. It feels like she was casting that character just because like they needed to fill a line. Which it, is a, which is ironic that the character they needed to fill the line in was the main character of Sound Euphonium, which is so, yeah, very uh, funny. Yeah, because, yeah, because I didn't look at like who the cast who like they casted as those characters in the other dub and like. I don't either know Kimiko is recommended, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes that is like a that is a solid choice for her. Yeah, yeah, that is a solid choice. Like that is definitely who I would probably cast if I were like casting for the show. It just so, this is out. this is the weird reality of what happens when you have different when you don't have a locked down cast in that there's no real loyalty to keeping people consistent. Not, not when there's only there's only there's only one line. Kimiko literally gets one line. She gets one line, so it's like I'm not even faulting that. It's just in yeah. that one I didn't mind, but it's like I I like Reyna. Like what we heard of Christina V as Reyna, I was like well, that's a that is a yeah, solid that, choice. Yeah, that kind of worked. That really oh, yeah. works. Yeah, because Reyna's Reyna's persona of being you know very cool, collected, but being very passionate about uh, the band itself definitely lends itself to Christina's. Um, I think I wrote it down as that she kind of played it hushed. You know, Reyna's got a bit of a hushed voice, but it's a really confident hushed voice. And Reyna is a very confident but hushed character. She is. Which, also, I find it very funny. I did, when I bought this, I blind bought this, show, this movie, by the way. I didn't know my set okay. came with art cards. It had three art cards. It had the main pairs, which was, uh... Which was Mizure Nozomi, it was um, Natsuki and her, uh, her uh, Yuko. Natsuki and her, her better bitchy half. And then it had uh, Kumiko and Reina. 
Which is very funny because they don't have that much going on, but So I'll say this, as I'm go as I'm going back and forth on this, it's just Man, they look like different characters from different shows. Character oh. design is wild. You mean mm -hmm. like comparing the designs in this movie to the show or the yes. characters? Oh, okay. You're it, right. It, it's not it's not that deep. It's literally just I pull I have Anime Planet where it's like I pulled up Miserae's picture from the TV show. I'm like, wow, that doesn't even look like the same person. Is that, yeah, is that, yeah uh, I know the TV show had like definitely a lot like thicker line work with the character designs, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering right. No, you're right. It was less ethereal and more... Like, I don't want it to sound... I don't want it to sound like I think the character designs in the show are bad. No, not at all. They're extremely striking and distinct in their own right. It's just... This is an equally distinct and striking design in a completely different sense by a designer I think I'm more attached to in that sense. Though we're not here talking about that. Um, Christina's being very good. Cassandra Lee Morris is very cute talking about her. Uh, Allison oh Lee... Gosh best character. I, I, she's the best character in the whole franchise, and she doesn't get nearly enough focus. Tuba-chan. Um, she's, she's got, like, she, like, I love how Cassandra gives her, like, a, almost like a little rasp uh, in when she speaks to match her precariousness. That whole sequence where they're, she's talking to Hatsuki about how the, um, when you uh, match someone, what they're saying, you know, you, then you're like, you owe them ice cream, and it's like, She's so committed to it as well. It, it, like, it's basically just a fancy way of doing the jinx. Exactly. Which I, I liked how that came around at the end of the movie, which that, that was a nice little uh, parallel to that. And Allison, Allison Rosenfeld's also pretty good as Hosky, and Courtney we'll talk about later. Yeah, we will. She, she delivered that one line perfectly well for, uh, you know, a, if, if you didn't know that the main, in the main franchise that... Uh, these four were the main focus, and they were in all of the opening and ending sequences. You wouldn't think much. You would just think, oh, these are some pleasantly nice side characters. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that level of, like, if you didn't know better, you'd be like, oh, okay, these seem like sweet young lads. And then it's like, oh, they're being coy <laughs> about the fact that these are the side players in this flick. Yeah. Which I, uh, I thought was actually pretty interesting in that regard. Uh, as so far as the teachers, which... Yeah. Most of them are also kind of side players, with the exception of one. Is it, is it, yeah, I thought that uh, Mike, Mike, I thought that Mike Pollock and Ryan Bartley did a good job, but like the center of these three is definitely Wayne Grayson, uh, particularly because like again, going off of my like vague memory of the TV series, I remember like I remember the teacher, I remember like the instructor being kind of like very casually sassy. <laughs> so, so if I were to so if I were to imagine that in English, like Wayne Grace's performance is like the exact energy I would have wanted out of that guy. Cause yeah, I get the vibe that he he's not like a dick, but he is very much a little he he's a, he's younger and a little bit snarkier. Yeah, I, I think I remember that too. I don't even know who played him in the other. Oh, that's a wow. Yeah, that's a good pick. Okay, yeah. So, so here's the here's the other fun thing about this episode because I don't think we're gonna get a Oops finale episode off the ground anytime soon. So this is just kind of me learning who's in the other dub at the same time too. We're like, yeah, fucking Robbie David's a good pick for this guy too.
Have you seen Have you seen the Iron movie yet? No, I have okay. not. Okay. I don't so, know shit about it. You're gonna have to report back on us and tell us how that turns out. Well, I mean, you you can watch it too on your own time. Um, I I, actually, I can. I mean, I'm not. I don't disagree with you that Wayne does capture some of the more sassy parts of Noboru's uh, persona, but he was also uh, a bit more intimidating in the in the TV series. Yeah, like for context, he was taking a band that had a big shakeup in the previous year due to really lack of interest by the performers and about half of the band quitting that year coming in and kind of whipping everyone back into shape and spoilers they end up do going pretty far as a competing band i don't really get that from wayne's persona here it's um you know it's a lot more chill it's, it's very confident but it's not as uh intimidating i guess is what i wanted so he takes like the half of the performance that needed to be a uh, confident instructor, not so much the part that's trying to instill um, the importance of the students about how hard it is to not mess up. No, I getcha, I getcha. Um, but, yeah, this is a... I, th I think Wayne does a decent job being the kind of plucky but assertive uh, young teacher. And I think Mike Pollock does a good job playing the dude who wears the fucking uh, Hawaii, Hawaiian uh, vest. <laughs> I like that. I like that dude, but he doesn't have much doing this. Now, see, the, I, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if this was intentional, but did you guys get a sense that Mike was intentionally playing an unpolished performance for this character? Not really. Not really. <laughs> okay. I don't like, quite I mean, see where you get at with that. I mean, it's the the character's design is unshaven. Uh, he's a little larger. Oh, he, he he's kind he, he's kind of a more lax dude. If you're talking about the performance, is a little more lax. I'd, I'd say lax, unpolished sounds almost derogatory. Well, I, I know it. It does sound that way, and I specifically wrote in my notes that I mean unpolished as a positive point. Because whereas uh, Wayne, you know, emphasizes the words and speaks with the clarity of a seasoned theatrical professional, um, like Mike was almost directed to uh, speak a little more vernacular, you know, like almost the way that we're speaking right now, where we're not, you know, rehearsing lines that have been written down in a script. We're just talking more natural. Like, I feel like that was a very intentional choice on uh, Stephanie's directing part when giving Mike this character to voice. Okay, I can read over that. But yeah, actually, it's like, the, these two, they don't have too much going on. I think uh, Niyama is actually the one who's got a lot more going on than this film as an active participant. In fact, that she is the one who actively pushes Misere to pursue, like, music college, which was something she was kind of holding herself back on and kind of being a lot more wishy-washy about whether she wanted to be more serious at the behest of leaving somebody she cares about behind. And her teacher was kind of tr trying to encourage her as well as to understand the big solo part in the third music, in the third movement of Liz and the Bluebird, which is hilariously called The Things I Do for Love. <laughs> like, okay, the things we do for love. All I could hear was fucking courage. The cowardly dog just saying to himself, "The things I do for love." 
Oh, that's why you referenced that gif in the chat. Okay. Yes, that's what the movement was called. The things we do for love. I must have missed that. Uh, the on-screen text, I must have missed that because I didn't catch that. I was like, why are you referencing this? It was... Well, I, I, I was... They were very overt about that. Come on. Well, I mean, the entire thing was very um, uh, overt in the um, affection between um, Mizore and Nozomi. To the point we'll, that uh, we'll get to that, but... The, the hug! The hug, man! The hug! We'll, I'll get we'll to that. Okay. But, hey, yeah, that. I, I wanted to at least give props to this character as well as Ryan being a nice, supportive character for Mizore, but also like doing her best to be a good teacher and try to push her when she herself isn't pushing herself. And I think Ryan does a good job sounding very professional and supportive and also kind of like a, like a nice lady who doing her best. Now I want to ask you guys because um, Ryan Bartley voices the only adult female in the whole cast. The rest are high school female characters. Um, did you get the sense that, um, you know, she conveyed a sense of, you know, I'm an older character compared to all the other high school-aged uh, female characters? Uh, quite convincingly, yes. Okay. I, I also uh, felt that way, too. I was like, I, was, I wanted to make sure that it was actually the performance that conveyed that and not just, I'm looking at the character design and I can tell that this is a more advanced character rather than all the other high school characters. But yeah, I, I do think that Ryan's voice actually does uh, uh, make that come across for the mm -hmm. few lines that she has. For sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, these guys uh, cover the teaching side of things. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, president and vice president who... Um, how did you voice it, Andrew? The uh, the teasing gay... I, I how do I describe it? Um... The 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 brat and her top. <laughs> it doesn't have to be lesbian terminology, although it's totally true. <sighs> okay. Um, Look. Just say, uh, just say, uh, nope, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna say that for when we talk about the main group. Look. I mean, the main they're, they're just being pals. You know. Motherfucker. Look. There is a conversation to have about that, but. I yeah, like I've, these I've, snarky... I've, I like the snarky bitches. Well, but, I'm glad you like them. So, yeah, I... I actually, interestingly enough, I think I'm just going to start with... Uh, I'm probably going to start with Sarah Ann Williams as Natsuki, because it's just Sarah Ann Williams being very good, very supportive friend, but also having a little bit of sass and tease to her. Like, like... Sarah's voice has this perfect level of like how do I describe this you, you ever you ever talk to somebody where it's like you could just kind of hear in their voice that like they sound like when they are talking that they are doing their best to hide a shit eating grin mm -hmm. like th there's just that level of like <laughs> that, that, that level of like snark and like, uh, uh, that is Sarah specifically in a lot of her roles. I'd say this is her doing that, but like holding back her power level in regards to how much of a shit eating grin she's got with uh, her uh, gal pal. It certainly lends, in this particular movie, it lends itself to being a little more subdued because th this is a less uh, funny 
uh, movie than the the tone of the TV series. I wouldn't even so, say it's less funny. I'd say it's less eccentric and more low key. I mean, okay. I mean, the entire franchise in general is like super low key. This is just more. This is mildly more dramatic by, the, by its standards, which isn't saying that much. But it's but it's like a little it's like a little more serious. I, I yeah. would definitely say I think like the framing of it is much more like a. Um... How do I describe this? I would say if like. Sound Euphonium is a much more composed piece. If it like a much more like composed in a studio or something like that, I would definitely mm-hmm. say Liz and the Bluebird is a lot more like a like a a group kind of strumming together, just freestyling it until they find a sound that works together. They're jamming, jamming. I would say Sound Euphodium is like something that is is a lot more like per- heavily produced, like a lot gone through a lot of different passes and drafts and stuff. And Liz and the Bluebird seems like a lot more of a freestyle jam. I'll agree with that in in the way that it's structured timeline wise. Uh, I was almost a little mad in the middle of it because they we go from. I would like to invite uh, my underling to join us for swimming. And then it's like the very next scene, it's now we're recapping uh, that trip we made. We didn't even get like, you know, a montage to kind of show it happened. We just see after, like it's days a, afterwards. It's a, yeah, it felt like they were like really committed to just keeping everything within the context of the school and like nowhere else. Yeah, which, which, it, which it still worked, but I think that's at least a fair criticism. So... Yeah. yeah, I'd say that. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on Sarah in particular? Uh, so, um, I, I thought she sounded fine. It's just kind of like I don't have a whole ton to say about the character in this movie. I mean, yeah, okay. she doesn't do... I mean, she, she is significant in um, acting as a balancing act to Yuko. And what I do like about Sarah is that um, I'm going to be a little mean on some of the performances coming up here, but I had no problems with Sarah's because... Everyone else uh, seems to have been directed to um, kind of keep that low-key performance in the way that they're acted, because that's just their characters are written that way. But uh, because Sarah has a performance that uh, requires more snark and... Uh, uh, I-, I almost want to compare it to, like, um, Umaru-chan kind of persona, she gets to modulate a lot more. You know, she gets to play with that range of emotions, but she's not just being a teasing character she's supportive as well you know when her uh oboe player doesn't want to play basketball natsuki's going to you know take one for the team and play another round for her she also is basically kind of like the person nozomi talks to whenever uh she's having like a she's having qualms with with the with the relationship right and we will talk about that relationship in a bit so it's nice when a character who's uh who's line count isn't very high like uh, Natsuki's in this movie gets to still stand out just because Sarah's just really good at performing actually um, if, if really... we want to talk about standing out though I actually wanted to give praise to uh, Yuko in this movie actually who I think there we go. had a very interesting acting active part of this film in particular because I, I remember in the, ser- in the series, she was kind of 
the bratty Kohai that was mad at um, Reina she for taking away the spotlight from her senpai? Correct. Uh, in the TV series, Reina is given the role of the solo, which is a, it's, actually it's a very nice solo. I highly recommend listening to the performance in itself. But yeah, because it's very unfortunate when an underling, when a first year, when a freshman gets the solo performance and the senior who's been waiting for their chance to shine doesn't get it. That, that's it's pretty, that whole, uh, it's that whole rough scenario of do you give it to them because they are, this is their last chance or do you give it to the person who's actually the best for the job? And it's that weird uh, fine line you have to walk sometimes about how you, how you approach that and they went with who was effectively the better player for the part. And that kind of broke uh, Yuko a little bit. But well, as the... Be, well, I mean, it, it stands out because that that's the kind of relationship uh, between uh, Senpai and Kohei that we don't really have in uh, American school system. Um, like, you know, I was in concert band, and I had uh, seniors and I had underlings in my senior year, and I never really felt like there was the same uh, level of... Um, uh, maybe not admiration, but the, the same level that Yuko had for her senpai, as we see in the TV series. So uh, um, I'm I'm sorry, yeah, my, my interesting my, part that my my favorite to see that get translated into English. My favorite. This is one of those things that's very silly to me. I love sports but, uh, but anime. Yeah, so Megan's I, actual performance of Yuko in this movie. <sighs> Sorry, sorry, hang on. I, I'm derailing for a second because we're talking about the whole Senpai Kobai thing. I'm remembering one of my favorite silly things is a sports anime when, like... One of my favorite things is, like, a sports anime. When in a sports anime, they straight up just, like... They remember the Senpai that has graduated... And when they remember the senpai that has graduated, it's almost like, like they are dead. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, I remember that what I remember seeing that one panel from High Q, which is like, I'm thinking of I. If only you could see me now, senpai, and he's looking at them, him in the fucking clouds, like he's Mufasa, and it's like, <laughs> dude, he just fucking graduated. He's like, you can call him. You, you can call him and see how he's doing, but the framing of, like, this is the last time I'll get to play with my senpai. After this, we'll never get to play together again. He's gone. Yeah. I'll never see him again. Like, bro. Bro, he's he's doing tests right now. He's, like, going to mixers. He's He's probably, like, banging somebody while you're thinking about him. Oh, Chill. Absolutely. And that's that's one of my favorite little senpai kohai things. It's just they always play it very melodramatically in sports anime, yeah. and it's just very silly and very funny to me. Oh, that's a good question. Is Sound Euphonium a sports anime? Oh my god, are you fucking are you fucking yes. doing this yeah. right now? It, it's gotta be. Like, there's competitions. There's uh, people get cut from it. Uh, it's melodrama. There's romance involved. It's how is it's it not gay. A sports anime? It's gay. Yes, it's gotta sports be. Sports animes are inherently gay or metrosex like everything sports is the most like aggressive everybody likes to pretend it's not gay it's it's pretty gay it's a little gay it's but that's fine and we're not that's not a bad thing by the way happy pride month that's happy, <laughs> happy pride month yeah 
Anyway, so I, I got we got way off topic there. We um, got way off topic there. I just I just we were talking about the sent by Kohai thing, and I always think yeah, about yeah. how it's very funny. So what I actually wanted to talk about was Yuko Yoshikawa in this movie, uh, played by Megan Megan Harvey, which I actually think she does a pretty solid job playing the sort of uh, stern but caring supporting figure that's also not afraid to speak out her mind. Which that's I think was the part that kind of surprised me the most about this movie because I remember Yuko was kind of a bit more of the the bratty kid that was mad that like her senpai was getting scorned or something and then once she is the senpai she's got to be the one to put all that aside from her she's got to watch after the the underlings and she's got to stick with her friends that are still there which I think probably the part that stood the most out to me about this movie was Yuko straight up lashing out at Nozomi. Mm -hmm. Which was her basically telling her, did you tell any of what you have told us about the fact that you don't have the heart to commit to music college and don't even know if you want to do this professionally? You haven't told that to her. Somebody who has their heart on you to stay with you through thick and thin and you fucking manipulated her and like like fucking with her feelings just like that that's bullshit dude but i mean which is why yuko is needed for here because no one else is going to be uh sincere enough to no i i agree i i like i think that's something i kind of understood a lot more about her character now because i i just kind of remembered her being bratty but it's like no she is not afraid to speak her mind and call bullshit out. And in that moment, she's like, you are being extremely unfair to your best friend. Somebody who cares about you more than you care about yourself. And you are being so disingenuous with her. And that makes me sick. I'm like, wow. Wow. So you guys say Megan uh, Megan's performance of that was uh, exactly where it needed to be for this movie? I, I would absolutely say that she did a good job conveying that level of like frustration and like irateness to her, and I think I think Megan absolutely conveyed that quite well. Like I, I it was one of those things where it's like I I didn't remember much about. That's why I like side stories like this, where it kind of gives me a chance to see some of these side characters I I liked or didn't have too many thoughts on. And see them in a whole new light. And I got a lot more respect for the little uh, bunny ribbon girl. <laughs> I was not expecting that. So that was a fun thing to walk away from uh, this movie. And I would definitely say Meg Megan Taylor Harvey uh, absolutely did a great job as as Yuko. All right. Point. Jet. Counterpoint. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much to add there. I thought Megan Harvey did a good, I did a good job there, kind of, uh, kind of being like, uh, you know, the person you kind of needed to be a little more sharp tongue than everyone else, and uh, definitely calling people out where needed, and I thought, so I thought Megan did a really good job there. Now, see, what I wanted to ask about was, yeah, I also agree, she, uh, the performance was very good, um, is that Yuko in the Japanese uh, embodies uh, a vocal tick that we don't necessarily have in English voice acting, and that is of the younger, bratty, more childlike character, 
Um, and I'm glad that what they did with this, like how they resolved that is they didn't uh, take, uh, I suppose, a, an actress with a, a regular pitch and tell her to pitch it up an octave to make her sound younger and brattier. Um, they re they made her sound just younger by her natural speaking voice. Like Megan's delivery is youthful and it's, it kind of matches with the character design because I'm sorry, but I've never seen an adult with bunny rabbit ribbon in their hair before, but also just by the, no, by the natural vocal inflections. And I'm kind of glad they did that because I, I don't think I've heard, yeah, I have not heard Megan in anything before. So it was a newer voice that carried the archetype that uh, it's really hard to fill in American voice acting. Oh, she's Sophia in Strikers. You say that ah. like I've seen it. Uh, uh, wait, is it? She's, uh, wait, she, wasn't she the lead in, was he the lead in, like, one of the new fully coolies? Uh, that's what, yeah, that's what he said, alternative. No, I was just yeah. remarking, because she's the little android girl in P5 Strikers. I will take your word for it. You and your fucking lack of video games, SMH my head. How do you have time for, for cartoons and video games and a life? How do you do it? See that's that's that see that see that's my secret cap. I don't. <laughs> so I have I like I have time for two of those three things. <laughs> it's it, it's like the the triangle. You can have only oh, two. You can have yeah. You can have uh, video games, cartoons, and a life, but you can't want two of the three. But you can't have all of them. I. I one could argue if there's a life. I think that's the thing about. Me and Steph just doing that, this whole thing. It's like every other week we'll be like, okay, we gotta go out and do something. Just That's to a good point. Just to mix it up a little. But yeah, uh, you anyways. And your, you and your hetero relationship and your dating and your going out. Motherfucker, how many children have you brought onto this earth? More than any of you guys put together. I'm, I'm referencing the entire podcast here. Yeah. And every Everyone, all the guests we've ever had too, I think. Yes, I'm gonna everyone who we've ever had on this podcast. Yeah, you're calling me out for like, oh, you you fucking heteros, bro. <laughs> Don't you fucking lecture me, motherfucker. I, I'm not. I, you're right. I can't lecture you. I was lectured once by a by an ace uh, roommate I had once, or a housemate that I had once, who uh, I think she said, and I quote, "We." LGBT people, we outnumber you fucking breeders like 10 to 1. No! I was literally thinking, oh my god, is she gonna call you a breeder? No. Oh man, actually? <laughs> and I, this was before I was even married. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. And I'd like to see the stats on that. But anyway, I just... We need to, <laughs> we need to rig, rig this thing back around. I wanna... Okay, Here, yeah. okay I'm, I'm gonna... Going on to the, the last of the um, quote-unquote side characters here, uh, uh, I'm probably going to get some flack on this one personally. So I want you guys to tell me, did you have a problem with Xanthi Wynn's portrayal of Ririka? No. Literally not at all. Not at all. I, 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 honestly, honestly, the side performances, this was probably the one I liked the most. I, really? There's something about this sort of like, airy i don't know something about this airy sleepy girl that's doing her best to try and make friends but it's just kind of 
I don't know how to describe it. She's got this very, like, sleepy air to her. I'm sorry, I don't awkward. agree. I, I, okay, here, I, I'm twofold on this because I thought it was uh, not well directed in that I didn't believe any of the lines uh, were actually genuine, but they made me laugh. They really made me laugh. And, and not in a good way, in, like, the... Uh, um, like the room almost kind of delivery. Wow. wow! Wow, I think you're full of shit right now. I don't see it at all. Yeah, wow. Like, yeah, this is the most I have, like, literally ever disagreed with you, man. I do not get what you were talking about, like, literally at all. Well, like, how, how do I describe this here? Because, like, I, I'm sure that everyone else listening to this is mad at me, too, now. Because I love Zancy's performances, and she has the same, um, tenor, the same, like, uh, high voice, soprano, moe voice that we've heard her in a lot of our stuff before. She brings it here. But it's the delivery is... When she's saying lines um, to... Um, what is it here? She, she talks to Nozomi for the first time and kind of uh, asks her... Uh, you know, she's trying to get her to like understand Mizore because she's kind of shooting her down all the time. Yeah, all the, all the lines in it, though. Um, Ririka is... Yeah, she's supposed to be very airy and... I, I suppose this is this is kind of similar to how it was in the Japanese. Is it's just it's very l lucid and very loopy and like uh, uh, in a way that's really hard to play convincingly. Like I don't think they were trying to go for melodrama for all of the lines, but it really made me laugh. And the I don't the even think that she was going for melodrama. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. I just like, thought it was like, kind of like a like I like you like if you're thinking like here's the thing if she was a more two faced character I could see this being a little weird, but uh, it's very clear from what they're going in that she's actually just trying to be genuine and trying to make a connection with somebody who's very awkward and shut into her ways and succeeding. Is that is that yeah? It's just. I said, yeah, I mean, the worst thing I could say about it is I'm like, okay, like, of all the girls, it's like the most, like, our typical anime-sounding character, maybe, but, like, the, the, aside from that... The I closest like, thing to a criticism, I could say, is having something that airy and high almost seems like it would be a detriment for something like an oboe. But that's more of an anime uh, thing. No. I don't... No. Hmm? Like, your, your voice has... Your voice has nothing to do with the, the instrument that you play. Nothing at all. You can have the so, highest voice possible and you can still I, I, play a trumpet. I think my brain was just thinking like like the lung capacity or something. But no, I, I guess that was just a bit on my part. A little bit of ignorance there. It, it, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but yeah I, I thought that Zanfi's performance sounded like pretty sounded like pretty relaxed. Like, okay, this is just kind of like an awkward teenager trying to like... Understand why this person refused to talk to her, and I thought Zaffy got that across pretty well. This is this is a chick I would want to just hang out with and like tuck some blankets with. Like she just feels cozy. Sure. Like she feels like a cozy bro. She, she does, and when it's the the uh, the more laid back, uh, just hanging out with the bassoons, like we wanted to invite you out to come to tea with us. Is, uh, it's like okay, that's cute and that's uh, believable in a. Uh, airy high school girl kind of sense but it's in the more dramatic parts where she's like trying to uh you know make friends why is our senpai so cold to us it's like those kind of deliveries were like i, I don't know 
know if that really is the direction I would have gone with when I was doing the direction. Like, I, I would have gone for something maybe in that pitch, but acted in a slightly different way. I, I, don't, I don't agree with you on this one. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, 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 me neither. I think what I just... Not that I need to be on trial here, because I totally lost already. Put, put me in handcuffs and take me away. Is that it reminded me of the way that Moe characters were kind of acted almost 15 years ago. Like, I was there. I was listening to the... As, okay, okay. I mean, I think I get what you are trying to go with there, but, like, even... The, okay, but even then, like, that sort of thing has been... That sort of thing has, like, long since been perfected, and Danfi is always been good at that sort of thing so sure. like yeah yeah i don't think so yeah i had like no real problem with it here like the like the only thing i'd say that's different compared to a couple other zampies is this seems like a little more like uh yeah. like i'd say this is more like nyquilled compared to some of them <laughs> oh, is yeah. It, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah 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 again the most i could like really maybe criticize is that like it sounds a little more it sounds maybe like a little more anime than, like, maybe needed for something as low-key as this, but even then, it's like... Okay, but even then, it's like, that's so, like, the character archetype, and I don't think that Zanfi, like, didn't get that archetype, so... Yeah. No, like, I, yeah. yeah, I don't really have any problems there. I, I also I, think it's interesting yeah. as, like, one of the new characters in this, and that... I at least thought that she was a nice balance, or, like, a nice new addition to the squad... She does. Uh, she's definitely different from all the other characters. Um, they don't focus on all of the characters in the band during the TV show, and they really couldn't flesh them out. In, they couldn't you know, flesh all of them. They kind of, they basically focused on the ones they really could narrow in on, which I was randomly remembering because I was looking up stuff about Sound Euphonium to remember. You remember that group of like, were they Euphonium or were they? Uh, Remember that, like, kind of chubby girl with, like, her glasses boyfriend and, like... Tuba. They're both tuba. tuba they're, they're both tuba. They were adorable, by the way. I wanted more they of them. Were. It, it's a, we see them constantly because they're performing in sectionals, but you're right. They don't real, They don't get a side movie to themselves. They, they definitely needed one. Or at the very least, an, epi, an OVA to themselves. I, I, could, I could watch to chill with them, either way. Right. Although I, I do appreciate that. You, you mentioned before that it's nice to have these, like, side stories that focus on characters you don't normally focus on. I do like that they had the the OVA to the first season was about the characters who got cut from the, the competition group. And we just kind of followed them. Like, Team Monaco throughout the, you know, the duration of the first season. Like, that was, that's enjoyable. That's what an OVA should be. Mm-hmm. Although, I suppose, so now that I've been thrown uh, off of the bus out into Jurassic Park. Uh, we should move on to the, the last uh, characters who... Uh, I don't have as much to say about uh, Liz and the Bluebird, honestly, because, uh, well, Courtney is good, I'll say that, but it's not uh, a character that, despite being in the name, like, uh, doesn't get as fleshed out as much as the high school characters, but that's is okay. It, uh, they are yeah, they are literal they, storybook characters. They are simple they, uh, but effective. They, yeah. Yeah, literally just like, hey, here's this, here's this sort of a character. You just kind of need to give that energy across, and Courtney got that energy across. They're storybooks, but also might have been adapted into, like, a light novel or something. Because there's, like, a whole sub-arc of uh, Misere having to fight the fucking library girl. 
I, I, which, by the way, you, we were talking about that. I don't think that that's Carrie Kiernan. I'm like a hundred percent that was Cassandra no. Lee Morris. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it was Carrie. Uh, I, I was getting them mixed up with a different character because there's a lot. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that was Cassandra Lee Morris. It, it, I watched the movie like two days ago, so my memory. There's somebody right. named Ma Mako that is credited to Carrie Kiernan, but I yes. didn't know who Mako was or think that was the Library Girl. When I Google when I Google search uh, Liz and the Bluebird Library Girl, I don't get any characters. I just get local libraries that have the movie in stock. How nice of them! Indeed. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, Courtney's performance is. Um, I guess the the question I wanted to lead with uh, between you two is that they had Courtney play both Liz and the character of the Bluebird. Um, did they sound distinct enough from you two? Yes. For you two. I. The uh, the the important thing was to make them sound distinct, and they succeeded. Is that yeah? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real. Like until I read until I looked at credits, I did not know it was the same person. So good. So, so in that regard, absolutely, it succeeded. Gotcha. And yeah, it's um, I I don't know why they did that exactly, and I I did not check the Japanese credits to see if uh, it was the same where the. Uh, the same, same I don't think I just checked. I don't think it is. Okay, so it may have been another instance like the um, the uh, the Kumiko thing where it's like, okay, we need to fill these in, and Courtney, you're here. Would you like to voice another character since we got you here for another hour? So yeah, uh, uh, wait, actually, no, I was wrong. It's the same case in Japanese as well. Okay, the, okay, so they're trying to replicate the Japanese. Uh, I, 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 I wanted to correct myself because I thought it was different. No, no, no. Uh, in Japanese, it is Miyu Honda as both. Liz and oh. the Bluebird. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a hard act to follow, then. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, okay, so we, we've established that both Liz and the Bluebird's uh, performances sound distinct from each other, but did they actually convey the sense of storybook angst that this story needed? Uh, I think... Uh, I, I guess... Yeah. Like... As far as storybook angst, all I know is that was a pluck, plucky... Peck, peppy little uh, blue jay, and a very more subdued girl who lived, who worked at the bread factory, huh? Is that, is it, yeah. No, no, no. Between that, the... It's a bread shop, not a bread factory. Hey. I'm mistaken. I'm, mis I'm it, confusing it, my yeah. Kyoannis. So yeah, like between the two. Bread factory, huh? Bread factory, huh? Yeah. I mean, I was just gonna say, like, between the two, like, Blaze was probably, like, the more dramatic performance, and, like, Courtney got across, got that across pretty well, and, you know, like, I guess the doubts over, like, exact, exactly what she wanted to do, do with the Bluebird, and if it was, like, really for the best, to like, let her go and, like, come into terms with that, and I thought that Courtney got that across pretty well. She did. Mm -hmm. And it helps that she, her voice is also distinct from all the other characters in this. Um, like, we just went through, like, 10 or 12 different uh, female voice actors. Courtney doesn't sound like any of them. Not just in pitch, but I want to say almost even in dialect. Um, I was trying to pin down the way that she, like, pronounced words as Liz and said things. And it sounded, I want to say, like a West Coast accent. Like, if I had to pick a part of the country that I picked that voice from, it sounded like very, uh, yeah, west part of the country, almost. I'm not sure if that's the accurate way to describe it, but it's the, the best way I can 
differentiate it from like a Texas accent or a Midwest accent or a, an East Coast accent. It just that's what it sounds like to my ears. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely say uh, Courtney did a uh, delightful job at conveying both Liz and the Bluebird. It was very, very sweet, but also very convincing at making them both sound distinct from one another. It's true. <laughs> but uh, I suppose the, the the bread and butter of this I, I, whole thing is really going to be. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You were going to say? I, I was just going to say, there, there's kind of that more... I feel like when you're working with animals where it's like, you're a wild animal, I, I have to let you go in, out into the wor whole wild world. It looks a lot worse when you're a person and you're like, I love you. Therefore, I have to kick you out of the house. Go really? pay. For, go pay for your own rent. Have you not seen um, the Disney movie The Fox and the Hound? Yeah. Recently? I have not seen it recently. I'm I'm literally meaning in the fact that it looks like Liz just kicked out her roommate because it's like, I love you, therefore I have to let you go out into the world where there is no roof and there is no fire and all that. Like, I, like when it's an animal, because she is technically an animal, it makes more sense. But she's like a girl there, so it's just like, I'm kicking you to the curb. I, I, Andrew, I don't know how to tell you this. I, I didn't want you to find out this way, but I am kicking you out of the house. Move out, you reloader. Fucking... We had a good time, but it's time for you to move on. Fly free, little bird. Fine! The fucking, <laughs> the fucking cooking sucks anyways, you fucking garbage. Aww. Oh, you your taste your taste of cartoons is fucking lame, damn it. Ugh. No, go in. I'm sorry, Andrew. Please come back. Why? That's a discussion for another time. Parenthood is very difficult. As is these two, the, the, the main leads here. Let's talk about Mizori and Nozami. Forgot um, my toothbrush. I might as well stay around for the rest of this. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, so, um... I was gonna be... Well, not critical of Lori, but I do have, like, maybe a minor complaint about that particular performance because, at least acting-wise, uh, she did a pretty good job. Uh, she, uh, she did a good job. I thought she did a good job of getting across. Uh, Misery being kind of very, you know, shy, reserved, not really knowing how to, like, deal with people and being awkward around them. I thought she got across. He got that across pretty well, and definitely, like, in regards to her relationship with Nozomi and not wanting to let her go. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, though, um, I thought the reports were, like, she was maybe, like, a little too quiet, because, like, I'm not gonna lie, there were, like, a few instances where I could, like, barely hear some of her lines, and it threw me off a little bit. Fair enough. Um, I... I mean, I feel like they were trying to they were trying to match the soft spokenness of the original, and like this character only gets really loud and enunciates when uh, she's confronted on stuff. Like the, the time she grows a backbone in the story is when she finds out Nozomi is considering applying to a music college, and she's like, "Then I will apply to a music college as well." So, I, I, I didn't have a mo any instances of myself where I couldn't understand what she was saying, but. Uh, 
I, I can fully understand that uh, that's a hard uh, kind of performance to pull off convincingly while still maintaining that soft-spokenness and being understood. Yeah, being quiet as a dude without being completely inaudible is a tricky balance sometimes. I think I think Lori, Lori has some trouble, but I think for the most part she does a nice job succeeding at that balance for me. Yeah, I mean I think what helps is that she's um, she's got the the right pitch for this. Um, like uh, we've seen soft spoken characters like this before. Like even in KyoAni's repertoire, you've got um, oh god, what's her name from Haruhi Suzumiya? Um, Yuki, you got Yuki Nagato from Haruhi, who had a very similar, almost even a similar character design of the soft-spoken bookworm character. And uh, that's a character that had to speak a lot in, like, certain monotone scenes, uh, certain monologue scenes. I is there a uh, an instance in, like, uh, uh, some other performance that you would point to as, like, that's how you do soft-spoken while still being uh, more audible, Jet? Um... Zenfi, ironically enough. But, like... I mean, well, within the concept of issue, but I'm just saying, like, again, I didn't think the, I didn't think the other was bad by any means, it was just kind of like, there are, like, a couple of instances where, like, I can barely hear some of her lines. Okay. I, said, I mean, I, said, I mean, I don't know if maybe it was just kind of, like, a mixing thing, but, like, that did throw me off a little bit. Oh, that's a good question, is, um, was it in any scene where, like, the, she was being drowned out by, like, the background music in particular? Um, not to, uh, not totally sure. I know it was just kind of like maybe like a couple of scenes, like time where she was just kind of like talking one on one with someone else. Okay. But, like, yeah. What about you, Andrew? Um, I would actually say I was, I kind of was endeared to Lori's soft spokenness as Misere, where I think she did a good job sounding like somebody who was unconfident in themselves but had the ability and potential to reach out and be more assertive and take control of the situation if she really put her mind to it which honestly i was kind of impressed to see her actively do that in this movie and really take initiative and like take a stand which was nice to see because i like misere but she is always a passive character so seeing her kind of grow out and realize that she shouldn't basically clip her own wings for the sake of staying on the same ground as her best friend when she could fly and soar higher, even if that, that means leaving her behind. Solo. Like, she is a and choosing not to do that. It was actually like, kind of nice I, to I see. That this whole, and also when it's like, uh, hey, soundtrack is being I'm doing none of this despite you. Like, she did the whole... beautiful to listen to. Oh, oh yeah, free. That was an amazing oboe solo. God, that fucking like the entire thing about the third movement is that both of their parts are solos and they have to be perfectly in sync with each other because it's a metaphor. Like it's it's not a very subtle metaphor, but it's yep. Uh, but no, I think it was absolutely like beautiful playing that she did, and I really like Lori's take when she takes the initiative and starts talking to uh, Ririka and actively does the little hug thing at the end to try and get it all out and say that even with all that said done, like, I still love and cherish you. And it's like, yeah, that's 
I think for sure she absolutely did a really convincing job as Mizore, and I thought she actually was a pretty, pretty outstanding choice, all things considered. All right. Well, I guess that brings it down to the final question then. Should Nozomi have been be- let back into the band? Mmm. Because um, so- if you've seen the TV show, the, the big subplot of season two was Nozomi left in her first year. Now it's her second year, and she wants back in, and no one's really letting her do that. So I guess they let her back in for the third and final year. Uh, yeah. Uh, There's that whole... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I do vaguely remember that plot now. I do vaguely remember it a little, but it's very much, um, just... I, I think, yeah, she should have definitely gotten back in, because it's like it's a club, and you can do what you gotta do. But it's very much... It's clear she's doing it to kill time, and, like, hang with her friends, rather than actively putting heart, blood, and sweat, and tears like some of her other comrades. Uh, but, yeah... And uh, I thought Stephanie did a good job with that, where, you know, she's out of, like, very I th- casual, very, like, nice and peppy, but at the same time, uh, so, uh, but at the same time, you can kind of tell she has, uh, she has, like, her own doubts about her life that she isn't, and, uh, and uh, like, despite the, like, persona she's putting on, she doesn't really quite know what she wants to do with herself. I really liked Stephanie in this in particular. It felt like... I don't know how to how to put this. I'd say felt particularly like how do I describe this? Particularly teen peppiness while never trying to break her kayfabe. Like conceal don't f- kayfabe. Is that another gamer term? Oh my fuck. Uh, kayfabe. I will look up the definition. In professional wrestling terms, the fact or convention of presenting stage performances as genuine or authentic. Ah. Basically selling, basically selling to Misere and everybody in the concert band club that she is happy, she is content, everything is fine, everything is good. And, I, I totally bought the uh, the extrovert personality that Stephanie brought to the character. Like this is a this is a senior who easily makes friends with everyone, makes everyone else feel happy, and seems genuinely pleased with the company that they keep. Which is why she reached out to the uh, Misore in the first year and was kind of like, "Hey, I see someone who's not so happy. I can go make them happy." And then they became best friends after that. And Stephanie gets that level of enthusiasm and extrovertedness that uh, would... I feel like it carries the movie, honestly. Because Nozomi has, by miles, the most lines of any character in the movie. She's got a lot going for her, for sure. And I think definitely Stephanie conveys that level of, like, peppiness and outgoing friendliness while not really ever wanting to break the act and conceal those, like emotions like because she because she you can tell she hates those petty emotions where she's like she's offering to go to music college i guess i'll go to music college or like that kind of petty jealousy of actually seeing 
her friend who was kind of like her whole world fly out and see more of the world without her whether she wants to or not there's kind of that level of realizing like they're close but also kind of realizing to break that codependency and be their own people while also still letting each other know that they love and care for each other and they will never forget that bond but is it but is it actual love or are they just really good friends it's a love hug at le- okay okay yeah okay that's right yeah yep yeah, uh, uh, good thing you mentioned that because that gets into like the thing i remember that i find extremely frustrating about sound you forward boards which is that like it's that it sucks to say but it really really does lead a little too hard to like actual yuri baiting which is kind of annoying the, oh the, yeah totally. like as soon as they introduce the hug thing i'm like oh okay oh that's how they that's how they do it i'm like okay is it yeah okay yeah and admittedly like in the 2010s this sort of thing i i, I feel like at the time where sound you forwards really came out this sort of thing was maybe like a little more novel when it was like and i guess i could be a little more forgiving of it playing with that because i mean it didn't have like maybe as much explicitly queer stuff, like, coming out constantly. So, like, I guess. I guess it's kind of more, I guess it's kind of more like, okay, if they're, if they're gonna, like, let people interpret it that way, or, like, whatever, that's, that's, that's kind of nice in its own way, even, even if it is a little annoying, they are, like, committing. But since then, we, but since then, we've gotten a lot of stuff that just kind of, like, you know, drops any pretense, uh, just kind of drops any pretense, and it just, yeah. Extremely upfront about that sort of thing. So going back to Sound UFO, like doing the whole baiting thing, it's just kind of like, come on, we we've seen better than this. Yeah, and, and the particular the character of um, oh god, what's her name? Um, I will find it here. Uh, she's the other main euphonium player in the TV series. She uh, is... Asuka. Asuka, thank you, Asuka. Which Where... man, she doesn't even show up in this movie. Which man, Asuka's great. Well. She is, but she she plays into what Jet was saying about the whole queer baiting thing because she constantly, whenever uh, a Kohei wants to talk to her, she's like, "Are you are you here to confess your love for me? Do you have questions about love?" And it's always it, it does carry kind of that sense of she's toying with them. Like I'm not really expecting you to say that you're in love with me, but I love playing around with it, or I love playing with your hair, or I love anything else that's in that Yuri baiting category. I wouldn't even have said Asuka. I would have said the whole thing with Kumiko and Reina, but that's. As a, as a, oh, as a, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, frankly, oh, yeah, that is like ten times more annoying. It is I think because it's... they lead into that, and like both, and like yeah, literally both of them have male love interests. That so. that's a, you're right. There we go. That's what I was gonna say. Is that they get to do they get to have their cake and eat it too because they te- they ship they tease the ship between uh, Kumiko and Reina throughout the whole show, but then at the same time Kumiko's got her boner boyfriend. And Raina spends the whole show trying to confess confess to their adult teacher, which she technically does, and he totally misinterprets it, and it's so sad to watch. Rip. And a little funny at the same time. But yeah, it's it's like, I I, I get the feeling like I'm I'm not always, I'm I don't like harping on Kyoani stuff about it in particular, but I think at least. I think outside of just the fact that it's called the love you hug, which I think is 
That's the part I don't care about. I'm like, ah. Uh... Yeah. I think yeah, just that's... a genuine, like, just be real with each other and, like, let it out and say what you really think about each other and, like, what you mean to me. I thought that scene was actually extremely touching. And I like the fact that, like, you see... Okay, I say this no bullshit or not to be mean to any of the dub actors. The best acting in this show is the character acting. Yeah, that's, yep. what, that's where all the attention is, definitely. Like, like I love, like, even during that hug scene where it's letting it all out, like, you literally see Misere physically trying to be vulnerable and opening up as you see Nozomi kind of, like, has her hands behind her back tucked away not yet ready to like be vulnerable and let it out before finally like getting broken down by all the nice things that her friend is pouring her heart out to finally giving in and like hugging her i love the fucking beginning of the movie where they show that they are out of sync as misere is a lot more timid and, like, kind of faltering behind. And you see Nozomi walking with the most animated rendition of Pep in Your Step I have ever seen in anything. Like, I've never it's, seen... Like, I've always heard the phrase Pep in Your Step. But I'm like, this is what it looks like. This is ever, what it looks like. Yeah, and then, and then twirl as they open a door before? Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> fucking Kyoto animation, baby! Fucking amazing. And then the end of the movie, where you see them. They don't say it. You see them in sync. In sync with one another. They are no longer disjointed. They are jointed. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> mm, good shit. Ha have, to, have to put the word disjoint right there on the screen as the credits roll. And the, No, no they, they cross out the dis. Yep, and then yep. it's joint. I'm like, ah, okay, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. So, that so yes. So, I think, yes, text. I agree with the frustration of the fucking Yuri bait in it. I'm not going to play the whole, are they an item or not? It's just like... Yeah, yeah. I just love that. I did like that scene where it's like... Misore is trying to be the more open and receptive one and has been spending the entire movie trying to get some sugar. Before getting that cup of sugar, so, it's a so very even, satisfying movie. Satisfying, yeah, so satisfying even movie. Is, yeah, even though this is the Dub Talk podcast, I, I I guess I wanted to close off this mo overall discussion with the question to both of you guys. Do you feel like you could watch the movie with no dialogue, no subtitles turned on, and just based on the animation, still get most of the what happens in the movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would argue that, like, the soundtrack... The soundtrack and the aesthetic of this movie does a lot for it. Oh, definitely the music, yeah. The Like, here's the thing. The Sound Euphonium is, also lives on its music, which I want to give a shout-out to... Uh, okay, I'm going to write... It's, it's Kensuke Ushio, who does the OST of this outside of just the band stuff. Okay. Uh... Wanted to make sure I got his name 100% right. Uh, sure. Kensuke Ushio, yes. Uh, he's okay. done the music for a bunch of things. He did the music for Devilman Crybaby, and he's going to be doing the music for Chainsaw Man. That Among many other things. He, he's his, his music was absolutely spectacular and, like, one of the highlights 
of this film alongside it. But, oh yeah, not, and not even just the um, the in concert performance or the in band performances, but the whole the background music and the everything else that the scene transitions and all that. It's it's something else. Yeah, it is. Like this, this is a gorgeous movie, and yeah, yeah, that goes without saying. I mean, no, it doesn't go without saying. It should be repeated several times because yeah, if you're if you're going to watch this movie and you can watch it, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. You should watch it for nothing else than just to see the absolutely drop dead gorgeous animation. But like, but yes, to talk about literally anything else, to talk about what we are talking about here, I do think Lori and Stephanie did a spectacular job stealing the show as both um, Misere and Nozomi. Nozomi, yes, they they did All a right. fantastic job conveying both emotions characters and growths and development I, I was actually pretty impressed with the two of them in particular they did a great job similar thoughts jet uh, yeah i like both performances a lot and i'm gonna have to agree with that too um i didn't have uh really an issue with the understanding on the lori part um but i, I i'm sure that if i was like paying any less attention because i was very tuned into the watch on this i probably would have missed some lines as well so i i, I, I don't and, really okay and, yeah, okay yeah i mean i'll be honest in admitting i didn't watch the movie under like the exact best circumstances a because i would like a because i would like want to get like uh, we were okay we were originally going to record this on friday and then, like things happened so like i watched it the day i thought we were going to record it mm-hmm. so it's a little less fresh I I, okay andrew did the same yeah thing. Yeah, 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 so there was, yeah so there was that and then like when i watched it on amazon i had to watch it like with ads oh so I did, so, yeah yeah so yeah so there were yeah so admittedly there were a couple of points where i like stepped away for a few minutes like during ad breaks so ah. i maybe like didn't get like the full retention I probably should have for, like, everything. Wait, Amazon or Tubi? Amazon. Okay. Alright, yeah. Okay. I getcha, I getcha, I getcha. So, yeah. This is a fucking pretty movie, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a very pretty movie. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And this is, um... I suppose that we covered all the characters and um, spent most of this time talking about the highs and lows of it. So let's move on to the final thoughts of this, because um, honestly, if we haven't sold you on this movie by now, I, I don't know what else will. So let me pass it over to Andrew. I want you to tell me your undiluted final reactions to Liz and the Bluebirds English dub. I would say low key, but executed in a way that gets the job done good. I would, I would definitely say, I think it's not something that, the dub is not something I think that sets the world on fire, but I think for the the strange and curious circumstances of the sound euphoniums dub or lack thereof, and then having to cast their own dub, they got a solid cast. They got a solid cast, they got a solid crew, and I think they did a good job conveying these characters in trying to understand who they are, the life they live, and, like, whether they are better together or better apart. I think they did a good job doing this little low-key story and really selling me on it. I think they did a good job. That's all well and good. Because, uh, yeah, the, the um, existence of this in the 
canon of the franchise, um, I guess, to, whether or not you're um, going to get as much out of this as a TV show, I guess, depends on how invested you are with the characters. But even without that, like, uncoupled from the main series, I feel like this could be enjoyed by itself, like, as a solo movie. There is maybe... There yeah. is maybe one plot element that needs a little more context, which is the whole Nozomi left in first year. But even that is kind of says it all in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they did a really solid job making this at least standalone enough to mm-hmm. at least enjoy or vibe with. I'd say this is at this movie is atmosphere, it is presentation, and it is sound. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. so, Jet, some more thoughts, different? What you got? Uh, yeah, this was a pretty... Uh, yeah, this was a pretty nice film. Uh, definitely a uh, bigger emphasis on, like, visual storytelling over, like, voice acting, but, like, the visual storytelling was very good, so can't complain there. <laughs> but it is admittedly a pretty simple story, but it is told... So I mean, it sold pretty effectively, and I did think that I thought it was pretty stunning. So, and so on the whole, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable film. I'm glad to hear that. And um, I, I presume that you will be uh, coming back for season three when that finally drops in uh, a year and a half from now. God, are, so, all right, sure. let's, let's, do you think they're going to dub the first two seasons before we get a season three? Uh, what I think is going to happen, they are going to dub season three and then go back to dub seasons one and two. Yeah. Certainly afterwards. God, I hope... I I would prefer that they dub the first two, having already secured the license for three, and... Because here's the thing, it's been... Who's the they in this scenario? Whoever picks it up. Almost, uh... Almost certainly Crunchyroll. I'm at least assuming Crunchyroll, which... uh, I'm not even playing that game of predicting how that dub's going to work. I'm just... Look, it's been almost seven years since the original Sound Euphonium license... Sound Euphonium Season 1. Licenses tend to lap in seven years, okay? I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule, um, but... uh, It's not a hard and fast rule... But I'm going to point out that, say, one of the first things that uh, Pony Canyon USA got, Yuki Yuna is a hero. All three seasons are now licensed by Sentai Filmworks. There you go. And that premiered around the time that Pony Canyon stepped on the scene seven years ago. So maybe this conversation will have a proper conclusion and the full show will get dubbed in the future. I certainly hope so. I, I have no qualms with uh, speculating on that. And I do think it's a fair assumption that there will eventually be uh, a studio, be it Crunchyroll, maybe they'll outsource it to NYAV since they already dubbed these movies to the, do the full series. Okay, no, no, no. They dubbed this movie. The other movie was dubbed in LA by a Third. different studio and director. You're right. I'm sorry. You're, you're right. I, it's late at night. There's no reason why... Any one of those two studios couldn't be uh, commissioned by Crunchyroll to uh, do the full series. But right now, this is what we've got to work with. And yeah, for the snippet of A World Into an English-dubbed Sound Euphonium franchise, Listen to Bluebird is uh, a good 
I almost say it's like a teaser. You know, it's a good sampler. It's like, I'm going to give you a little taste of what it would be like here. And so that you'll be enticed to buy the whole thing. You know, we're going to let you test drive this car so that you'll be inclined to spend money on the whole thing. Um, I don't think that was their intention. It wasn't like they said, let's do this and then we'll entice someone else to dub the whole thing. But it's definitely what the fans wanted because there's a big outcry for all of Sound Euphonium to get an English dub. For good reason. It's a very good job, dub. I, I marathoned the whole two seasons of it within the last month in preparation for this podcast. And in doing so, added a new favorite to the list. This dub uh, has its qualms that I have brought up, especially with certain characters' direction which I seem to be on an island of one on that regards. But that's okay, because you know what? Not everybody has to be right all the time. Just like Mizore doesn't have to be an extrovert all the time, and Nozomi doesn't have to go to the same school that Mizori goes to. So that, I think we covered everything we wanted to on this. Uh, I recommend this movie. I recommend giving it a listen to in dub. I even get, recommend giving it a listen to with just music and sound effects, if you can find that track anywhere. But I think, so, yeah, overall, so if you have, if you manage to be an average person that just has the M and E track to Liz and the Bluebird on hand, which I, you probably aren't. You're probably no. Stephanie Shea. If you have the M and E track, probably. Which I, I don't know when the last time I saw it. The last time I saw a release that did that, that released it with just M and E tracks. That wasn't like uh, an old school an old school release from Discotech was probably the uh, original release of Dot Hack Sign. The last Wild. time I remember that happening. All right. So, anyways, uh, so you've listened to us talk about uh, Liz and the Bluebird, and you may be wondering where can I check this movie out? And the answer is pretty much everywhere. Um, uh, through Eleven Arts, uh, who are the le- who distributed this. Um, you can get it on Blu-ray, readily available at your favorite anime distributors. You can watch it on Amazon. You can watch it on Tubby TV. You can watch it on D- the Did Roku you say channel. Tubby TV? It's pronounced Tubi, isn't it? It's pronounced Tubi. <laughs> but but it, it's spelled like Tuba, so it must be Tubi, right? You didn't say 2B, you said Tubby. Like Tubby Custard, like you're a fucking... What? What's Tubby Custard? Oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? I'm from the Midwest, if that's a regional thing from the East Coast... That's not a regional thing, that's from a fucking kid show. That's the fucking thing with the weird creatures that have TVs in their bellies, and the baby's a son. Why am I... Yes! Tubby Dude, custard was... is a thing from Teletubbies. Okay, Mr. That's what Andrew, they eat. That was after my time. Okay, I w- when that show came out, that was no. I'm after your cool. time. Yes, you are. You are after my time. Shut the fuck up. You're, I... Dude, you're just too young. Get back in the crib. No, How is no, it no, before that's... your time, and I'm after your time, and you're sitting here like, what the fuck's that? What fuck are time you? Lord. Non non-linear. Anyway, so sound so yeah, uh listen to Bluebird. You can watch it in multiple different uh areas. Uh and uh as Jet pointed out, you can watch it uh at no charge, but it will probably make you watch ads with it. Which I also had a similar experience uh when I was watching it. I got ads for like um Jack Daniels, like really loud commercials 
in the middle of this soft and delicate uh, high school melodrama. So that kind of killed the mood a little bit. So I personally would re more recommend uh, getting it on home video. That was how I watched it, and it was a good time. Indeed. You, you avoid the commercials, and it's also, like we were saying, pretty inexpensive right now. So that's where you can watch that. Um, if, and if you're curious about the, the TV show itself, Sound Euphonium, the TV show, uh, that is all streaming uh, in sub only, unfortunately, over on Crunchyroll. So add the, I, I would recommend watching the series before watching the movie. But you know what? You can't do what you want. You can watch you, it out. You could, you could watch it without. You could. But I, I, th I think I got more enjoyment out of the movie having watched the series first. Also, because the series itself is actually just really good in general. That's so fair. That's why I recommend that. But that's, uh, let's see here. Now, if you're uh, interested in uh, watching more of the Dub Talk podcast, which is where you are right now, congratulations, you have found the source. You can watch us on YouTube. Maybe you're watching us at youtube.com slash dubtalkpodcast. Maybe you are listening to us on the audio-only feeds, such as Podbean. What other ones are there, Andrew? I forgot Spotify to and Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much. Yes, all of the free-to-play audio-only sources out there we post our episodes for. And new episodes every Friday of the week. Thank you for joining us. And let's say that you want to go one step further and you like what we're doing and want to be part of the Patreon group. Well, that is what this section is for, is to commemorate the fine folks on our Patreon who donate a little bit of money, help make special episodes like this possible, really make this one possible, because like we said at the beginning, this would not be possible without Julia W., who won the Dub Talk Patreon raffle for this month. So that is why she got to pick what we covered. Julia, I hope that we did you and this particular movie justice by covering it. Or maybe you really didn't like the movie and you wanted us to bash it, in which case we are also very sorry we did not do that. But uh, we want to give a shout-out to our $5 patrons. Let's give a big shout-out to Michelle Travis, Victor Maverota, Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands, and Megan's mom and dad. I've heard they're very good people and have very good children. And let's also give a huge shout-out to the $10 patrons! ones of the best of the best and donate to get the episodes a bit early they get to listen to episodes online days before they go up they get special patreon clips and get to be part of the raffles for new episodes that we will cover because you guys requested it those ten dollar patrons are anthony brown carly lestikow crimson echidna jacob wilson jared hawkins marissa lenti Otaku Anthony, and the winner for this month, like we said, Julia W. You guys are amazing, and again, we could not do this without your amazing support. Thank, thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, supporting our concert band, so we can do more concerts and our club, and we don't have to do car washes and bake sales. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for helping us afford the rights, so we can play. That one song from Kakashigoto. <laughs> I love, I love how you fucking point out the fucking ED that they use for Kakashigoto. I was like, oh my god, that's that's the same fucking song. Wow, would never have known that. Well, I wouldn't have seen the show if you hadn't have uh, steered me towards it. So I touche. Take you right back. Touche. So Andrew, what what are you doing uh, when you're not um, 
what, what did we say before? Juggling a life between cartoons, video games, and having a life. Uh, closest to life is probably petting the cat and hanging out with stuff. But, hi, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at Mongaman9000. If you'd like to hear more of what I do outside of Dub Talk, you can find me over at Surreal Resolutions Anime Podcast ONA, where we talk about the latest in anime news and development alongside my buddy here, Jet. Uh, yeah, uh, aside from here, you can also find me on the Twitters, under my digger, where I will uh, usually be talking about anime, cartoons, uh, movie news, or, like, whatever's going on. And then, yeah, I'm also on Podcast OA, where we will, occasionally, where we will spend a lot of time talking about anime news and stuff. Every week is the biggest week of news ever, because the landscape is changing every goddamn day. Well, that's good, because that means that it's never boring. Some, sometimes it could be a little more boring, just saying. We could, we could afford to go back to having slow news days, is what you're saying? Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And Anyways, follow, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, my name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter, at Noah Clue. Um, that's a section where, again, uh, if you like pictures of cute kids and cute uh, puppy dogs. I've got one of both. I've got actually a couple of both of those. Um, or uh, discussions about animation from around the world. Uh, it's a great big beautiful tomorrow in the world of animation. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we get to cover movies like this because I, I'm part of that circle where people will lament that they don't do hand-drawn movies anymore because some people only pay attention to what the Walt Disney Studios is putting out. So I'm really glad that I get to point to this. Like, I get to point to this and say, this, this right here, this is being made. Liz and the Bluebird is one of hundreds of animated movies that you people don't watch. Is made with your very own hands. Go check that out, people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we're, let's, uh, let's wrap up this. Uh, we have wrapped up. Everyone put your instruments back. Clean them out. Get rid of the spit and the spit tubes. Take assemb- disassemble the woodwind instruments and um, yep, let's all uh, what do we do? Let's uh, let's all go out for ice cream, shall we? Uh, sure. Let's go out for ice cream. Good night, everybody. Otaku on and no sensei. Oh god, that's all the spit. Don't knock it over. <laughs> Aloha and keep the keep those concert bands going, people. Oh god, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>